there are two varieties, <laughs> pure and lime. <laughs> kind of, I, I read that and I just couldn't help of um, uh, thinking about uh, Ned Flanders. And it's in your favourite flavour, plain. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are our proud sponsors. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. How are you? We just don't talk anymore. Well, Matt, I, look, I was just thinking the same thing. You know, <laughs> uh, and did you guys have the public holiday in Melbourne this week? The, Every day is a public holiday at the, <laughs> at the moment, but the, the Monday public holiday, the May Day public holiday. Um, no, we had ours, I think. No, no, okay. we have ours as part of Moomba. Right, okay. Well, so we, it was had, like we had a month uh, before. Monday was technically a holiday, um, so yeah, it wasn't in the office, but you know. So did you pay Claire and Sam double time? No, they didn't work. Oh, uh, they, uh, had, they had long, long, smart. yeah, give them a day weekends. off on yeah. a public holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The news still happens, Matt. Well, the news People still, still happens, make beer. But that's still what contro- I'm controversy. Anyway, my, my point was, you know, so suddenly, uh, you know, you, you get to Wednesday, Joe sends us the show notes of the, the, the story summaries that we're going to do. And I, I just have this feeling, God, is it Thursday tomorrow already? You know, and suddenly you get the um, panic phone call. You know, are, are we good to record at 7 a.m.? Um, because the weeks are just going. They're just really flying by. Week eight, I think we are, aren't we? Of yeah. lockdown? It would be. Well, here in Melbourne, I think, in Victoria. But certainly, at least the silver lining is, um, just to use a cloud reference, that the, the, perhaps the clouds are parting and there uh, seems to be a bit of sunshine on the horizon well, in people, terms of the whole COVID-19 situation. Yeah, people are starting to talk about, you know, the, the, the after times. You know, every, I saw Pete Brown referring <laughs> the to new normal. The, the, the before just, times. But. Future listeners, if you're listening to this in 2030, well... Back 10 years ago when we were recording this, you won't believe what happened. <laughs> At times like this, you know, it's always, oh, yeah, afterwards, what do you think is going to happen? And it's, it's, it's just crystal ball gazing. It's guessing because we never really know. And even if you successfully identify like a bit of a theme that's going to happen, it often happens in a way different to what you expect. But there was an interesting story out of the ABC where they did a, a poll of about 2,000 people looking at you know whether you're going to get on a plane afterwards whether you know how whether you're going to go to the pub whether you're going to go to a restaurant whether you're going to go to a major event and you know I think fewer than 20% said that they would go to a, a, a big you know like a music event or something like that but I think 44% said that they would go to a, a local pub so it, it's exciting to see the that we are starting to move towards that and put procedures in place you know, I, I think that there's a potential um, if that mindset carries forward that small breweries are in a really good place. I did a thing on uh, ABC TV the other morning talking about the effect on brewers, and you know, I made the point that you know they they are much smaller venues. You tend not to get you know hundreds of people in a, a craft brewery. They do naturally lend themselves to a little bit more spacing, but they're also very clean. You know, brewers joke that ninety percent of their job is cleaning so uh you know getting a little a little bit more liberal with the sanitizer wouldn't be too big a a challenge for the craft breweries and it's fair to say there's certainly a lot more sanitizer out on the market available just at the minute and secondly matt 
Speaking of hair yeah, breweries, <laughs> bringing out alternative products to what they would normally do. Um, we saw this week that CUB launches Vodka Seltzer. The announcement that a company in United Breweries is launching its first RTD in what it says is 25 years comes after major growth in the seltzer sector in the United States, which I think we've mentioned a couple of times. Um, we've just seen Australian brewers ramp up production in the major and in the independent sectors. Actual Vodka Seltzer is one of the lowest calorie ready-to-drink vodka on the Australian market and is made with 100% natural ingredients to a vegan <laughs> recipe, Matt. There are two varieties, pure and lime. It's a kind of... I, I read that and I just couldn't help of um, uh, thinking about uh, Ned Flanders. And it's in your favourite flavour, plain. <laughs> um, pure has no sugar and just 65 calories, while lime is low in sugar and contains 69 calories. That's because of that flavouring, and it? you know, Pete, Matt, look. Matt, to, to be honest, I read this and I thought oh, I'm just waiting for the the shower version, <laughs> with a, with a special grip can, so you don't drop it in the shower. Well, that would be the last tick, because as you read through, you know, lowest calorie tick, ready to drink tick, hundred percent natural ingredients tick, vegan tick, um, you know, no sugar tick. Um, it, it, it's it, it's marketing, and look. There's really nothing to say. This is one that we just put up as a media release. You know, a little bit of context around the growth of the side of the seltzer market. There's nothing to say. And you know, like it was really interesting uh, on the Facebook page last night. One of our listeners, and I'll just sort of call up the a listener and a, and a contributor to the uh, uh, to Nick, Facebook group, Nick Gotchelk. Gotchelk. Um, yeah, posted now. And when I looked at the colours, I thought this has got to be a piss take because. The colours of the cans look almost identical to the CB version. Um, it's just a really... It's very 80s, 80s, 80s pastel polo shirt. Polo shirt, yeah. And, you know, it's called Ray and the, just black on, on, on that colour. And I sort of thought, these guys are having a lend. But when you read, when you read the um, text... It seems to be available online uh, on, on their website. So apparently it's not. And they've got lemon and lime, peach and watermelon and mint, real fruit, hard cider. Now, now that's different because the now the, the vodka seltzer, is that an FMB? Is that a, a, a flavoured malt beverage in that it's not subject to you know the RTD tax? Even though in the uh, media release it was uh, CB is launching its first RTD. Well, that's, that's the thing. They call it a hard seltzer. But they're talking about vodka. So if they're saying that it's vodka, I'm presuming it has to actually be distilled, which would then accrue a different tax. Than, then yes, than and then beer. if it was a, a malt. Yeah, because a lot of the um, the seltzers are you know alternative products where they're basically flavorless beers, flavorless unhopped beers that they then add flavor to, um, and it's a, a brewed, and that's what um and, and you'd presume that's what. Hop Nation are making. Now, somebody did point out to Matt, do they need to change their name now? Well, that was me. That so was not like... so much about the Hop Nation. Well, was, that... That, was that your comment, was it? Yeah, that was just a little bit of a joke, um, you yeah. know, because, uh, you know, um, Daniel Massey uh, in, in, in the chat room, um, and I don't want to make this an insider's chat room thing, um, but I just want to credit the person who, who said it. Um, you know, th there was a little bit of back forward. Um, it's not be, uh, um, you know, this is sad that they're doing it, blah, blah, blah. Daniel um, pointed out, look, you know, if, if this lets them make more beer, then um, that's Yeah, if awesome. the payoff is that they can bring in some some coin rolling in as a result of this, then they can make more of their experiment, you know, their J-juice or, you know, come up with the next, uh, you know, the heart or whatever yeah, it might be. Absolutely. And, you know, if, if that's the perspective you're taking, you know, it's just business, that's perfectly fine. Um, and you know, of course, I just sort of had a little joke. Well, you know, 
obviously, you know, to, to me, when you name your business Hop Nation, you are leading a charge for a certain thing. We, we saw, you know, a, a lot of craft breweries um, in, in the early 2000s when they launched. It was all about the revolution against the big breweries. We're not going to use adjuncts. We're going to, you know, brew traditionally. We're going to do all of this until we don't. Um, and, you know, until business means that we have to modify um, and we, we need to change. And, you know, and that was just the point I was making that, you know, maybe Hop Nation isn't the brand that should be bringing this out or this will hurt their brand. And there was a really interesting discussion about, um, you know, Nick himself said, do a breakaway label like Hargraves Hill did with Beatnik. Or like Hawkers have done with Rover. And even Hop Nation have done with their own side project called Site, which is their sort of uh, mixed fermentation and... Uh, uh, you know, barrel aged. And, um, and to be fair, Hop Nation have done by calling this sours. Ray. So it's Ray Lemon and Lime, Ray Peach. Um, so they have broken away, but then they've just sort of announced it on, on their site. And, um, you know, look, again, absolutely no issues with that. Um, it was interesting to see uh, Will Zabel from the Crafty Pint commented Hop Nation have been selling sour beers and wine under the site banner for years now. So I think this is pretty similar. Um, and yep, absolutely. So hops, you know, uh, they're not hop driven products. I, I guess the one differentiation I'd make about this is there's still an artistry involved in wine. Uh, there, you know, there's an artistry involved in sours. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're, they're brewed products. They're, they're, they're products. Once you're making a hard cider. Uh, and I just you're making fl- fruit flavored ethanol. You're making fruit-flavoured ethanol. Um, even though they're brewing it, and it sounds like they're brewing it themselves, somebody commented on the CUB post, um, Helen Coker, huh, alcohol with uh, no flavour and no uh, calories, so it's designed to make you trashed, not fat. That sounds sad to me from all perspectives. And to me, that's absolutely bang on for these things. Make them because it's business. Make them because there's a market. Make them because it keeps your business alive. But you're essentially saying that because, you know, again, going back to the thing that sparked what we called the craft beer revolution was a passion for the product. I I, I don't toss off on, um, you know, about, you know, Carlton Draft um, or VB um, that, that I once did because you used to be able to sneer a little bit at those products because they were the high art of food science. They were making a consistent product that appealed to an audience that had very low flavor and no bad flavors to a palate. But that was what craft beer was rebelling against. Craft beer was all about flavor. Craft beer was all about pushing and challenging and and those sorts of things. And as we've sort of as the market for craft beer has matured, we're saying, well, it's not about challenging anymore. It's about finding markets. It's about giving beers or ciders or, you know, hard seltzers because that's what the market wants and that's what sells. And we will make, you know, and you can't make like a a high art flavoured seltzer. You can put on no added sugar, real fruit, whatever, but you're still just making as Ben Krause likes to call uh, ciders when um, breweries got into ciders, fizzy apple goon. You know, it's basically just creating alcohol in the most appealing way. and An appealing alcohol delivery system yeah. for, for, for immature pellets. Yep, and then you, you when a craft brewery does it, it's basically saying, we'll do it because there's a market for it, we need to keep our business open. And if you go to do that, then... 
yeah, all of the the emotional tags that have grown up around craft beer, you know, about provenance and independence and, you know, um, craft just basically go out the window in the, in the same way that they started to when you had brewers who were setting up a, a brewery. You know, Mountain Goat, for example, you know, people loved Cam and Dave, but then when, you know, 50, 60% of their staff started coming out of Laverton, they weren't willing to acknowledge that um, openly and transparently because that they knew that... and um, that, I think that, it, that would damage the brand. That that damaged the brand. Um, it doesn't change the liquid. In many cases, you could argue that it makes the liquid better. But, you know, if, if you're going to have a brewery that has these strong branding cues and then you're just going to um, make it somewhere else, that damages the brand. And, and, and brand craft beer or brand independent beer or brand local beer, to, to some extent in my mind, gets hurt when you start saying, oh, look, it's just business. We can put this out because it keeps us alive. You just got to put your Michael Corleone hat on and, and say, yeah, it's not personal. It's just, it's just business. It's just business. But then it's also just business for the consumer. No, that's true. And speaking of business, Matt, business is booming as far as Galaxy goes. Uh, so interesting that we go from something with no hops to, wow, <laughs> here, have some hops. Um, the Australian hop harvest is done and dusted for 2020, and Australia's largest hop grower has recorded a mixed year with Galaxy up but other varieties down. In its annual crop report, Hop Products Australia said production increased by 81 metric tonnes, so it's up to a total of 1,554 metric tonnes, which is a rise of 5.5% over last year. This includes an increase of almost 13% for its star galaxy. Topaz also saw a significant bump with an increase of 24% over the 2019 harvest. However, varieties including Vic Secret, Ella and Enigma saw declines in production of 9.7, 13.8 and 5. 6% respectively. Despite the decreases in those varieties, HPA sales and marketing manager OJ, Owen Johnston, told Radio Bridge News the grower would be able to fulfil all of its contracts. It's a bit sad this year, Matt. I think this is our first year in a while without the, uh, the, the, the hot crop yeah, report. Oh, it was, yeah, it was a little bit, um, just with the lockdowns and your availability during the day, it was a little bit hard to to schedule at short notice um, uh, for, for this one. But, but we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to your chat with, with OJ yeah, because there's, there's some really interesting uh, numbers in there, and it, it's good to see that, yeah, Galaxy is you know onwards and upwards. And I was able to play a, a chat from 2011, uh, just an excerpt of a chat with Tim Lord um, that that we both participated in, and you know that's how long we've been doing the um, podcast. You know, this is uh, pretty much the, the the tenth year that we've done the, the hop, crop, crop hop, hop report, and I was able to pull out a little bit because you know back in those days the the hop report. Galaxy, which is by far and away the juggernaut for the Australian uh, hop harvest, <laughs> was wasn't even listed. It's the frozen orange juice concentrate of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> of but the beer industry. It, it was just tagged in other with all of the other varieties that we're now seeing. Oh, um, so in 2011, because from memory, 2011 I think might have been the first uh, first harvest that Cascade did that featured the now named Galaxy. That's quite. Possible because um, I think before then it was like HP HPA one three five or something like that in in the previous years. But but I'm pretty sure that First Harvest was the first commercially available beer that introduced Galaxy to the market. Yeah, uh, that, that's quite possible. So so back then you were saying it was it was it wasn't even listed as a, a variety. It, it, it was just in other. It was just in other. Yeah. So um, and and I actually went back to the 2011 report just to 
here because I remember you know we were sort of talking about you know in one of them I think it was Tim or OJ talking about oh look we've got big hopes for this uh, Galaxy Hop you know and even in the 2011 one it was one year after Stone and Wood opened and they he sort of made mention of Stone and Wood's use of um, Galaxy but yeah it, it, it's now a juggernaut um, and so go go back and listen it, it was fascinating to listen to you know what with a 10-year retrospective and looking on how much the uh, it's changed. Because back in those days, HPA had you know existing capacity that was all ready to plant hops. You know, they, they had fields strung and everything like that. Now they're massively expanding and having to find new fields to, you know, to put under bind. And, and that's a big thing. Um, but I think that also shows that even though the... Um, there was a, a, an increase in harvest this year. When you look at the added ground, you know, acreage or hectareage that was used, so it sounds like it wasn't a great season um, agronomically, which is interesting, particularly when you look at Vic Secret, Ella, and Enigma um, being down significantly. And uh, you know, it, it was really interesting to find out from OJ some of the variables um, that different hops have um, when it comes to the, the, the growing season. Yeah, and I wonder too, just to spark my interest there, uh, if the boys at Stone and Wood are on a spotter's fee for... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think they're pretty well looked after. Making um, Galaxy the star that it is. Yeah, I, I, I think they're... And such great ambassadors for it. I think they're pretty well looked after in that. Um, and, and just the, the the point is that if you are a brewer, if you are looking, get in touch with uh, your hop grower now, in, in this case HPA, uh, because they contract... 85% of their projected harvest each year. So if you look at um, Ella, um, which was down 13.8, that's that's their... So that, that remaining 15% might be a, a considerably smaller Well, that's 1.2. Yeah, so there's only 1.2 that isn't contracted. Assuming they'd completely contracted, hit their contracting targets for Ella, there's only going to be 1.2... Percent of the crop. Uh, yeah, percent of the crop. Or, yeah, very small. Yeah, percentage it, points. Yeah, assuming that I'm looking, doing like for like. But their decline in their projections weren't met, and so they're going to be fairly close on some varieties. So, uh, yeah. so. But the good news is, that you go back to 2011, there certainly weren't the, uh, the numerical variety of hops available. So if you couldn't get one... Uh, it, if one was was unavailable, it's not like you could just go. Oh, I'll get something else that's similar. But at least nowadays, uh, if you can't, if you're if you're after something, you know, with tropical notes, and you can't get this, or you want something with lemongrass and you can't get topaz, there'll be something else that you can call, you know mimic that uh, that result with. And funnily enough, that was an interesting thing. Again, when you go back and listen to Tim Lord in 2011, you know they were looking at growing some of the international varieties here to to provide a local variety of and i think they still do go grow cascade but they were looking at some of the the, the, the german hops yeah i remember them talking about uh Hellertau. yeah and and that strategy's out the window now um you know I, I don't think they got the demand for it i don't think they got the price the galaxy for it. doing so well i don't think they got the space for it matt well in, in hindsight it, it was a it was an easier decision to make i guess um than, than they had been making. So, but anyway, go back and yep. listen to the two because it's a yep. really interesting bookend of um, as the wheel turns. 
Speaking of space, uh, Endeavour and Coles have had to find a bit of space for extra money as their sales surge after March. Uh, Endeavour Drinks and Coles Liquor both saw surges in sales at the end of March, according to their respective quarterlies published last week. Both retailers also reported a change in consumer habits, as might be expected, a move to online sales, but also a change in mix away from premium towards more value and bulk items, unsurprisingly. In the Woolworths Group third quarter, results published to the ASX yesterday for the three months to the end of March 2020, revenues of $2.3 billion at Endeavour Drinks, which is the owners of uh, Dan Murphy's and BWS. This was up $2.1 billion in the same period the year before, an increase of just under 10%, Matt. This is one that I'm going to go back and revisit with a little bit of hindsight. I have a feeling that Fair might be looking at these numbers as well and just making some broad generalisations. Well, that's and that's the thing. So we've got Fair at the moment, and Fairs around the world, uh, you know, the Fair equivalents around the world are doing the same. Pete Brown um, posted, and it was shared to the um, Facebook group. Pete Brown. Wrote yeah, he spoke about, about it when we when we chatted to him on the uh, yeah on the antidote, didn't he? And so he wrote about it. On on one hand, you've got the big brewers um, and the, the uh, Brewers Association and also uh, the Alcohol Beverages Association Australia, which is the overarching, you know, desperately trying to hose down um, speculation that people are drinking at home. And obviously there is a fair political reason for that. But then you've also got these sorts of results. Um, now, they were first quarter results, so they ended uh, at the end of March which is around about the time lockdown started, so would have taken in the first weekend of panic buying, um, but then also took in the bushfires when apparently sales were down a little bit you know, in, in, in January, which is fairly quiet. Um, so we don't know. We've got brewers saying um, we're not selling a lot, but then also you know, I'm hearing from some craft breweries that have gone into packaging that you know, they're seeing an, an, an increase in sales. So they're down, their business is down because they don't have taproom sales, they don't have keg sales, but they are still getting, um, you know, seeing a nice pull through of their package product. Speaking to a couple of my local bottle shops, you know, the, the, the word it's Christmas trading has been used. So, yeah, you know, we won't know until the, the, the figures are in um, later, but... Yeah, I, I don't see too many um, bottle shops protesting, uh, you know, about lockdowns. I'm seeing a lot of hotels, you know, hoteliers urging people to download the COVID nineteen app, you know, because that will they see that as being something that allow them their, to their reopen. Their tickets are opening. Yep. I, I I see a lot of um, bottle shops sitting there looking a little bit like the cat um, that got the cream through all of this. Uh, so yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see how it how it pans out in the in the you know trailing data yep um the old expression map beer and skittles that was the beer <laughs> certainly up uh the skittles brew sales down and, <laughs> and founder sells a four hundred thousand dollars worth of shares uh, the leaguered asx listed brewer brew told the market yesterday it had experienced another sales decline in the same period that executive uh, director kent grogan sold 40 million of his own shares in its last quarterly report released last night, Brew told the ASX that it had made $509,000 in sales in its latest quarter, which ran to the end of March, covering a week in which COVID-19 restrictions impacted venues. Not that hard. As a comparison, in the same quarter last year, Brew made $1.3 million. Yeah, look, It's the uh, gift that keeps on giving. Matt, who knows with, uh, with, with Brew? Um, Who's yeah. buying the shares? I know it's one thing to sell shares, but... Okay, well, I think they got up to about 40, 45 cents um, at, at one stage when they launched, and it was really oversubscribed, and it was oversubscribed by 
retail shareholders. James Atkinson, when he was uh, editor, wrote some really good pieces looking at the the drivers because you can't invest in, in when Brew went public. You couldn't invest in. Uh, CUB and Lion, you know, you couldn't essentially invest in a brewery and, you know, beer was a thing and he, he took it public. And so they were massively oversubscribed. He sold 10, 11% of the company for, you know, $10 million. So I valued the business at over $100 million, which was just nonsense. But he's selling shares now at one cent. Immediately before a quarterly report, you'll see an ASX notification that Brew has sold some of their shares you know, Brew has sort of sold a percentage of the company you know, at one cent to a what what they call a sophisticated investor. Can't be too sophisticated. But then you also see, you know, Kent Grogan as a director has to announce to the ASX when he releases his shares. And he sold well over a million dollars worth of shares whilst telling us when we have managed to get hold of him that he's not drawing a salary, even though a salary is showing up in the uh, accounts. Um, he sold well over a million dollars worth of shares. Um, anyway, the whole thing just smells. We've dug it. We dig into it as much as we can. We don't have any powers to to actually investigate. If ASX isn't looking into it, um, you know, a lot of people are going to hurt. Um, but all, all I know from these figures is that, as I said, first quarter, a lot of their venue uh, revenue comes from their venues. Their venues. Only shut down, you know, like a, in in the last week or two of it. Um, it wouldn't explain that sort of revenue decline. No, those figures are definitely not COVID nineteen generated. Yeah, the the problem is we've been saying for years that it's 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 going to crash and it's going to crater, and it will. But he just keeps it alive by trickling these shares out, um, and God knows who's buying them. Um, but someone is. We'll find out. Uh, now the IBA Matt faces its own challenges during lockdowns. While much of the focus has been on the impact that lockdowns are having on breweries and venues, brewer associations are also facing their challenges as their events are postponed. And we spoke last week about uh, the US Brewers Association, which laid off 23% of its staff and enacted tiered salary reductions for its management team. Uh, the association had made operational budget earlier in April, but of course, you know, most of their uh, income doesn't come from membership and uh, the, the Independent Brewers Association here in Australia is the same sort of thing. It's essentially an events-based business. Uh, that's where most of the revenue comes from. Um, the move came after the association was forced to cancel its Craft Brewers Conference and Brew Expo, the World Beer Cup competition, and also Saver, which is its annual craft beer and food pairing event. And it'll be interesting to see if GABF goes ahead. They haven't made any announcement, but when you looked at the number of people in those conditions, um, you know whether or not the GABF will go ahead, the Great American Beer Festival um, will, will go ahead, which is another huge earner for them. My newsfeed certainly seems to indicate that there are plenty of Americans who are keen to get back out and um, and drink beer and hang out together. So, but again, going back to that survey, do they want to go to their local brew pub where it's a little bit easier to social distance than an event in one city where people have that attracts literally thousands of from all over the country? Yeah. You yeah. know, that's well, and international as well. You look at you look at GABF. Well, um, yeah, we went Conference. It's increasingly now. You know, there's so many more coming from from around the world. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so the IBA, at least at this point, um, so apart from the the Indie Beer Showcase, which which can still be moved to another date, nothing at, at this point has been cancelled as such. That direct directly affects the the IBA. So at least everything at this point is still well. You know. We well, can move it further down. We would just about be going into 
could be a week now, wouldn't we? It's uh, May. Yeah. Um, so could be a week would be coming coming up. Um, and it, yeah, in three weeks. And you know, there was a merger in 2018 just before could be a week of could be a week in IBA that saw the, the could be a week team become part of the IBA and, you know, you know, expand their staff quite significantly, um, but in an events focus. So we haven't heard it's been officially cancelled, but just try and work out when you can run it um, with so many other events. We'll all also be looking for space in the calendar to run their events before the end of the year. Um, and, and it's, it's going to be a very busy second half of 2020, that's for sure. If, if they can, so whether they just sort of do what they can to try and do something. The other thing too, we've spoken about it ad nauseum, but the, the it's it's that is there a willingness of the you know, the average punter, you know, the hardworking taxpayer, if they've been hit, do they say, well, you know, I can't afford to go to all the things that I would normally have gone to, even if they're you know postponed to later in the year. But secondly, do I want to go somewhere where I can't control necessarily the the social distancing quite as much so but you make a good point because uh, you know part of the revenue um to, to put it on you know you've got the advertisers and the trade show um dollars the businesses that display there and then sponsor programs but then you've also got the you know 250 brewers um who are paying to to, to be there as well and whether breweries are either going to have to scale back you know the, the number of their staff that go um whether they yeah, exactly not to go at all well, a brewer is going to be so busy um, turning the taps back on that you know they they can't really drop everything and, and and send their staff, their key staff, to things like a postponed good beer week or brewcon or absolutely. Will, will there be airlines to fly them? What will be the infrastructure around? That's it. They're, they're either going to have to country. walk, or there's going to be plenty of nineteen dollar domestic airfares. Well, that's I mean Qantas is flagging that, but you know again, is Qantas trying to scare off potential nah, suitors just, for? I think that's try, yeah, trying to put the Put you the know. foot. They've got. They've got the foot on the throat of Virgin, and they just want to press. Yeah. Oh, we're going to outcompete you in the skies. Is that trying to scare anyone from bailing out um, Virgin by saying, yeah. "Yeah, we'll outcompete"? So it's not going to be as profitable as you think. I um, mean, there's a whole lot of corporate games going on, but it, all of that impacts on the economy, and we don't know whether we're going to have sales teams be able to get people around the country. So, uh, yeah. Look, it, it's just the, the the one thing about that story that I wanted to highlight is. You know they're facing the same challenges that brewers are facing at a time that their work, their core mission, which is advocating for the craft beer industry, is you know really coming to the fore because they are making way. You know they're actively campaigning government. They've been very successful in generating media. You know about the plight of small breweries on the back of the survey that they've done. That's why you need a, an advocacy body. And you know, so at a time when brewers are really counting pennies, um, you know, it, it is some of this less tangible expenditure, but very, very vital expenditure, the stuff that you should be cutting. Nice setup, Matt. Our last story: pub owners to pay <laughs> three hundred and eighty thousand dollars in pennies in damages over secret beer tap deals with breweries. South Australia's Supreme Court has ordered the directors of a prominent Adelaide hotel syndicate to pay three hundred and eighty-three thousand after they concealed lucrative deals with major breweries from their then business partners. Uh, the court found that Brett Viney and Matthew Mitchell did not disclose the deals negotiated with CUB, Asahi, and Coopers for beer taps at the Windmill Hotel. The deals occurred before the four men bought the hotel on Main North Road at Prospect as a joint venture for $1.4 million. So they bought it for $1.4 million. They've been slugged at 383 That's a fair um, 
that's a fair fine. Okay, so just just very very quickly um, about the judgment. So like there, there are actually two elements. I don't know that the court case. Because this is not necessarily a tap contract. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it hasn't been brought about by. It seems to have been brought about by the other partners. Oh no, yeah. So, so it, it's actually a, um, a court case uh, about torts and deception. You know, so essentially, some pub owners who owned a, a chain of other hotels wanted to buy a um, struggling hotel, thinking that they could turn it around. They were about three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars short on the purchase price. So there was a young bloke who was working there as a manager. Um, that they talked him into going in, and so he approached his dad. So, so that they ended up going into the um, to buying the hotel. The pub owners who got them in didn't tell them that the taps were subject to a um, tap contract through which they got three hundred thousand um, dollars you know, in rebates, or actually it was even more than that. Oh, sorry, sorry, a little bit less than that. Um, they they got. And so they effectively funded their share of the purchase through the, an upfront payment from CUB, Asahi and Coopers. So that's why the TAP contracts came into it. It was actually had nothing to do with the TAP contracts, the, the court case. It was about dodgy dealing because you'd think that if I was investing in a hotel that had all of this money coming into it, I would see the benefit of that. Um, and they didn't. The interesting thing for the brewing industry about it, though, is that the details of tap contracts are very hard to come by because it's all commercial and confidence and you know it's the condition of the contract is that it's confidential so you, you can't just go to a pub owner and say let's see your contract no but in a, in a court case it all had to be discussed so you can actually see and you know that these guys were getting a dollar a struggling pub admittedly a struggling pub that was bigger part of a bigger hotel chain was getting 165 cents a litre um, from CUB for every, uh, and they were contracted to pay um, a certain amount of beer over the two or three years of the contract. So, and then they had to pay back any money that they didn't sell, any beer that they didn't sell under that contract because they were given the money up front. So it, it was really, really interesting to see the nature of the contract. But then it was also really interesting to see the way that the publicans viewed it. They didn't see it as we're getting cheaper beer. They just saw it as a lump sum that they were going to go off and buy their next hotel for. So it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of it because the ACCC, which you know is a competition and consumer commission, they've always looked at beer taps from a competition point of view. But from a consumer's point of view, consumers are getting absolutely screwed, as we've said in the past, you know, because you're paying, you know, but when you look at a price list for you know line for example you might be uh, paying 300 $300 a keg for a beer that at 165 cents um, rebate you know there's what 50 um, 85 dollars uh, a keg minimum that they shouldn't be charging in the first place because the 300 dollars keg doesn't re- represent the full the, the, the true cost of making the beer so you're not so brewers aren't competing on price; they're competing on rebates, and those rebates are going into the business. They're not going into cheaper beer for consumers. So I, I, I'm actually wondering whether the ACCC doesn't start looking at tap contracts um, uh, because it, it, it does it does harm competition at the tap point that directly impacts consumer the the, the prices consumers pay. 
Yeah, exactly. And listen, just to finish off, a bit of a follow-up. We spoke to, on The Antidote, so not technically a follow-up, but um, with Josh Donohoe from uh, Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Tours, who uh, was in the throes of launching Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Trail. And on 1st of May, it went live. So it's a collaboration between the owner of um, Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Tours, Josh Donohoe, as we said, and regional tourism organisation Visit Sunshine Coast. The online resource will allow visitors to see the locations of local breweries on a map, as well as providing details such as opening hours, restaurant offerings and contact information. Hey, look, we, we talked about it. We did speak to Joshy. We've spoken to Josh. It's not any favouritism to to Joshy. He's never advertised with us or anything like that. But Josh is a great example of one of the allied industry people who you know, loves his local breweries. He's deeply embedded in the community and he is off, you know, doing some of the marketing work that the breweries um, can't do individually. Uh, his business is driving people around, but he's also working with the local tourism board and saying, hey guys, you've got this great asset. You guys need to invest in supporting your local craft brewery scene because it's a, a tourism driver. And yeah, I, I think that when you've got people like that involved in the community in, a, in that overarching capacity who are championing your industry, it's not surprising that the Sunshine Coast is doing so well in things like the Hottest 100 poll, um, you know, because you are building this community um, around you and creating a lot of awareness for, for your beer and brand. So, yeah, yeah. so a, a, a really nice thing to see the tourism board getting on it. And interesting to note too, Matt, a year and a half, maybe it wasn't quite two years ago, but it was more than a year ago that we went and, uh, and did a tour January. with Josh. Yep. Yep. Um, of, I think at that stage, 12, 10 or 12 local breweries. And I noticed now on the um, the brewery trail, 18 local breweries on, on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. Yeah. So it's obviously working. Uh, look, and it, it's just great. And, you know, they are really binding together. And there's a real sense of camaraderie around them. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, before we go, and uh, we might just throw a quick mailbag in, and then we'll do uh, just a, a quick follow-up. Uh, Luke Phillips on the Facebook group, um, and a great chat, it always is, a great chat with uh, Richard Watkins in Beer's Conversation last week. Um, he mentions Flanders Reds are great for cooking with. Does anyone have any more info? I'm keen to try. And uh, I did notice that you posted a couple of um, well, recipes. Yeah, yeah, everyone should. It's a bit dated now. I think it's like early 2000s. I mean, it's not dated. That was the in, Brewmaster's in, Table. The Brewmaster's Table. It's not dated yeah. in the sense that, you know, the principles are old. Um, yeah, in the same way you can buy a 100-year-old cookbook, you might find hard getting some of the ingredients, but, you know. Um, yeah, like pickled, pickled pigeon or something. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm sure there's some hipster out there making them. Um, but... oh, I'm sure you can buy a jar of pickled <laughs> pigeons bollocks somewhere online. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, um, Garrett Oliver is, is fantastic. But then also Stephen Beaumont. Um, so so I've, I've offered uh, Luke access to my uh, beer and food uh, cookbook library um, for him to get some ideas from. Stephen Beaumont's got a couple of cookbooks. Um, Paul Mercurio is another great um, I, was exponent of... Yeah, he's certainly done a lot of work with um, with, with, with triples and doubles and quads. It wasn't um, in mentioned his in the index, which is otherwise that would have been the first one that I shared. Um, mm. But I've, in fact, I've got it in front of me because I've still got the books out that I pulled out. Um, so yeah, but Paul Mercurio's uh, cooking with beer. If there's liquid in a recipe, it may as well be beer. Uh, That's it. I think you can probably yep. still find it online. Definitely, and I think you can get it through through Merck's uh, website as well. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll put a link. I, I, yeah, I'm not um, completely mistaken. Directly from him. And talking of buying books directly from the brewer, and this is my follow-up, 
we on the antidote we spoke to Pete Brown and he's uh, sent out a bit of a newsletter overnight that he's updated the progress of craft and argument. As he discussed, uh, he set himself the task of writing a self-published book in 13 weeks. Um, this is week six, and the book will be published as an e-book, audio book, and print on demand on 25 June. Uh, as of yesterday, it's available for pre-order on Amazon, paperback and audio editions to follow. Craft and argument why the term craft beer is completely undefinable, hopelessly misunderstood, and absolutely essential. It's, it's a cracking premise. Yeah, and anyone who saw his... Um, Presentation keynote address at, at Brucon. Brucon last year, and I know that I've harked back to it because it was very influential on my thinking. And it feeds into all of that stuff around alcoholic seltzer and uh, things like that about why you can't define stuff, but it still has an emotional appeal. So, very much. And before we let you go, listeners, one quick update on um, uh, Aaron Gladke, uh loyal listener and. Um, cancer survivor well cancer treatment survivor thus far um he's had a couple of setbacks with that uh, he had to pop back into hospital for some pain management um on uh, on his throat uh but he's very keen to uh obviously looking at things you know the new normal uh when we get to the other side to um getting involved with the beer that we spoke about that he was the the winner of the the slogan which was uh, if you don't defend it the big guys will end it uh our independence matters logo um and a quick follow-up. So we're going to we we have obviously had to put things on the back burner just a little bit. Um, first of all, with the bushfires, and then with the the whole COVID nineteen thing. But we will be uh, we'll we'll get in contact with Aaron. But um, again, on behalf of all our listeners, we wish him well in his recovery, and we do hope to see um, some uh, his his slogan made manifest into cans um, in the very near future. And we'll, we'll follow up on that where we can. Um, I suspect uh, part of the process, Matt, will be uh, getting on the dog and bone and phoning one 852 to speak to the guys at Rellings Labels, Stickers and Packaging because they're the ones who are going to provide the cans that we're going to subtly slip into somebody's, some, some brewery's uh, canning line to get some product uh, out. So Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging would like to let all breweries know that they are still open for business and can supply labels for bottles, cans, or shrink-sleeved cans ready to fill. Uh, the turnaround time might be a little bit uh, blown out, but um, and you can also get hand sanitizer, I think, as well from them. I'm sure, I'm sure look, if, if you've got a hand sanitizer, they'll get a label for you. So one 855 and we do thank Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging for their support. Um, we also thank Beer Cartel. Uh, all letter writers will receive a Brews News bottle opener or something. Deb Bakes, gingerbread, perhaps. Have we, we still got some of those left? They should be coming up. No, well, they haven't arrived yet, so they should be coming up uh, soon. So right. Deb has cool. De- De- uh, started some baking as a uh, bit of a lockdown project, but she found herself some work. So it's, um, again, delivery time's a little bit slower than expected, but <laughs> certainly uh, worth it when they get here. That's it. We'll have to get her on as a sponsor as well. Um, but anyway, you can win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. Uh, don't forget, too, uh, you've got a bit more to spare time uh, at the minute, all right? So just jump on your, your favourite podcasting thing. If you can make it uh, Apple iTunes, that's great because, you know, they've got this whole algorithm and you've got to dance to their tune. Um, so review us on iTunes or send us in an email and you can be in the draw for the letter of the week. You can also join our Facebook group. Just search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. That's Soapbox. 
Uh, Matt, plans for this week? Or are you, are you gearing up towards no, the No, well, the, the, the team are actually heading into the office today. Um, so once I leave here, I'll be heading in, into the office um, to spend a day with the team. So, you know, given we've all been in lockdown, we figured that it's reasonably safe. Um, are you putting like a, um, you know, a keg on its side to um, indicate, you know, the distance you need to... Keep apart or anything? Are you, are you using a, a, a known measurement? No, it's just clear. Like three, maybe three kegs side by side, up, like upright. Everyone's desk well, is, a, is a metre and a half away, so we're, <laughs> we're fine. So it'll be nice to uh, to, to see the, the team again because they've been absolute legends during the um, during this, working incredibly hard. That's it, home. and keeping it all keeping it all ticking, and we do appreciate it. And I'm sure, on behalf of our listeners, Matt, I can say that um, they appreciate that uh, all, all the work, all the hard work that's going in, so that we can uh, we can keep this going. And thanks uh, also to Joe, who um, has to edit this tripe and make it sound good. How about you, Pete? You're back to uh, back to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bell's about to go, mate. So I've got to go and uh, do roll call in just a sec. <laughs> okay, but it's it's all, it's all working well. well I've, I've come up with a plan. <laughs> Why not? One of, one of my daughters works very well with uh, incentivization. So uh, if, <laughs> she can, if she can complete her five tasks, uh, so you get it done by recess, you've got the afternoon off. Knock yourself out. So we'll see how that goes. Can, it, can I do the same? Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> if, you can, if you can write me five stories today, Matt, <laughs> if you can get it done by lunchtime, you can have the rest of the day off. You can, you can drink a beer. Thanks, mate. All right. Thanks again to Crime Malt, to Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging, and to Beer Cartel, and to all of you listeners for making this all possible. This has been Good Brews Week. I've been Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. Thanks again, Matt. That sounded like the tuck shop. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the, uh, the roller door's just going up on the tuck shop. <laughs> no, that's, Thanks, the op- that's the office opening up and the kettle brewing. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation.